do we have time? Maybe, I, I mean, I think more just out of curiosity, but I'd love to hear about last week, the walking on uh, the feeding of the 5,000. There wasn't a lot of people here. Okay. Good to see conversation. Brian brought this excellently. And, uh, I think everyone kind of just had a really good group discussion about it. And, like, just history of Mark leading up to that moment. And that story, how maybe it was like a huge story in the Bible, but it appears multiple times. And obviously, has some, some significance. And we had a special guest, Bruce Estava, last week. She was very nice. She said some nice words about like, like community. And other yeah. Things. Yeah. Yeah, okay, wonderful. So, um, again, thanks to Brian. I know Molly and Ronnie had a lot uh, help and set up, and just for folks kind of filling in. Um, what's that? The snacks were good? Who is, who's on Snack Patrol? Ooh, Trader Joe's. Okay, okay. Okay. It's pretty much all you need, right? <laughs> that was the living the living parable is Esad Esad feeding the five at <laughs> church of West. oh man we'll talk about the four experiences uh, this morning Jesus is going to walk on water and there's some, some experiences that the disciples have had um, I want to read this passage and then uh, I want to do a little bit of prompting, and then, like I said, I want us to have some discussion on this passage because there's these experiences that the disciples have. So uh, let's read it in the round. And uh, if you if all want to get started reading it, I just need to go blow my nose real quick, and then, um, and then I'll maybe jump in at the very end. But would somebody start off reading Mark 6, 45? Okay. 
Thank you. And, and hopefully there, I, I'm not going to spend too much time there in 53 to 56. Um, we'll talk about a little bit about 53 to 50, 56 next week when we talk about Jesus um, and kind of the clean and the unclean that he's going to encounter with the Pharisees and teachers of the law. But hopefully even that last verse, if you were here when we talked about the woman um, who touches the edge of Jesus's garment, hopefully you then pick up that little uh, piece there where they're begging to let them even touch the edge of the cloak and all who touched him are healed. And again, that's a tie-in to Malachi. That's a tie-in to, um, uh, to the prophecy both in Malachi and in Isaiah um, in, in which Jesus, the Messiah, will come and, and the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, right? And again, that kind of image of, of the kanaf, of the corner, um, where the woman touches that and is healed, right? And that's exactly what they're doing again here. Um, a, cu- a couple notes on this, but before I get into that, you know, if you haven't had a chance to do this, we're going to talk about these four questions this morning. Um, and again, I'll, uh, some discussion, maybe a little bit of vulnerability if, if, if you feel free to. Uh, and again, this is kind of could be past, uh, it could be present. Um, if, and again, I kind of was joking in the, the text this morning, but you could also say, I have a friend who, um, and kind of fill in the blank there. Uh, a moment when you felt or, or feel isolated or alone. Um, Something in your life that you're struggling with, kind of straining, having difficulty with, um, what has you afraid or troubled or shaken? Uh, and again, how might you be indifferent, oblivious, dull, or blinded? And you probably, as you look at those questions, it probably kind of overlaps. You see that, okay, I see where the disciples are having those experiences in the text. But again, before we get into those, just a couple things. Um, you know, I think the first the first piece here, you know, just a couple notes on this. Um, this this verse always challenges me because he he feeds the the five thousand, right? So again, Brian, you talk about this this mega miracle, this big miracle, right? Again, one that's recorded in all four gospels, the only one recorded in all four gospels. Uh, he completes this miracle. He kind of leaves his disciples and he goes up onto a mountainside to pray. And I always am challenged by this verse every time I come to it because. Um, Yeah, I'm also challenged by my um, remote here. That doesn't seem to be. There we go. Um, I, you know, I, I just I just wrote this down, and I, I have been thinking about this. You know, the past week or two as I've been studying this passage, it doesn't matter how spectacular your ministry, um, your ability, your influence, your charisma, your knowledge. Without that prayer, the the, the core of it, it's just hollow, right? Now, I put a little asterisk there by ministry because sometimes you think about ministry and you might think about me or you might think about whoever that pastor is at the front of the church or the person who's paid. But it's not just church-related work, right? Ministry, we are ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us, we move into this world as ministers, right? It's not just, hey, Eric has this church ministry. You are a minister at your work. You're a minister in your family. You're a minister in your social situation. You're a minister wherever you go. And it doesn't matter like how wonderful or spectacular your charisma, your knowledge, any of those sorts of things. Without prayer, it's hollow. Now, we know this up here, right? We know like, oh, yeah, Eric, okay, thanks for the reminder. I need to pray, right? The, the real trick and what we see with Jesus is that he knows it here. He knows it in his heart, right? 
he understands how important this is that after feeding the 5,000, he isn't out there, you know, taking a bow and accepting all his cheers. And he's off with the father to pray. I, I don't know if this is a, but yeah, that's a good analogy. It's, it's like um, eating tons of candy or sugar, right? How many people know it's bad, right? How do you know it's bad? Because somebody told you once and it's just up here? Or do you know it's bad because, yeah, you know, like last week I ate a whole bag of candy corn and I felt sick to my stomach afterwards. Or I had, you know, seven cupcakes and I'm just like, the crash that I had after that. Or I had four bowls of ice cream and I just couldn't move off the couch. You probably have enough experience with overdoing it in sugar that you know, like, I can't do that. I, that's just not good. It's not healthy. It's not productive for me, right? This is the kind of knowledge you need to have about prayer, right? That it's not just, oh yeah, okay, Eric told me I should pray. It's this experience in prayer where you know that if I don't do this, right, if I'm not actively engaged in this, the rest of my life, the rest of, again, ministry, and again, ministry is your life, ends up being hollow, it's shallow. It's an inch deep. And we have plenty in this world that is just an inch deep, right? What this world is desperate for is for people that have depth and have substance and have something that's deep, that resonates deep in their soul. And again, without prayer, we don't get that, right? Without connecting to the Father, you have a spectacular show with nothing happening underneath, okay? He leaves them, and he goes up onto a mountainside to pray. He does this multiple times. You see this Jesus doing this again and again and again in the Gospels. So he goes up onto a mountainside to pray. And again, I just want to encourage you, whatever that is. I mean, notice Jesus does this after his ministry, right? So it's almost as if, it's almost as if the, the kind of prayer time that we give at the beginning of the service, right? Jesus is like, I'm actually going to do that at the end, right? Because I know for me, when I do church, I know how drained I feel afterwards, right? And how tired and how lethargic, how easy it is for me to fall into temptation. And Jesus goes into prayer as a way to sustain himself. Um, so he leaves him and goes up onto a mountainside to pray, just encouraging you guys, encouraging you guys, whatever that looks like for you, to, to be into prayer. Everything else is just an inch deep without prayer. And then you have a couple Old Testament tie-ins, which I, I think as, as I've been, and as we've been reading this, this book of Mark, how fascinating, how deeply ingrained, and, and I, again, this was something that I knew up here, but as we kind of taught through it and we're like seeing it and experiencing it week in and week out, how deeply ingrained Jesus was into the Old Testament and how deeply ingrained as the story's being narr narrated, um, how that is, is, is being played out in the book of Mark. So you have that verse, um, what is that, verse 40, uh, 40, 49? Uh, oh, sorry, end of 48, right? He, he's about to pass by them, right? What's that all about? Right? He's about to pass by them. And I was like, you know, people are like, well, did Jesus not see him? Like, is it foggy out on the water? Was there a storm? Was he just kind of like, oh, I, I didn't realize you were there. And then I was thinking about this today, too. I had a great, this, a couple of you in the church, this will be the, the moment of the whole sermon. Is Jesus just pulling a Bojangles? <laughs> right? And we all know Bojangles, a lot of us know Bojangles, right? And like Bojangles just kind of gets into his own zone and you're like standing there on the corner and he's just riding up and down the street listening to his music, like too cool for you. And you're like, 
hey, Bojangles, I'm, I'm right here, you know what I mean? But, and I was like, oh, maybe Jesus is just pulling a Bojangles. <laughs> See, that's it. If you learn nothing else, you just... Really what Jesus is doing here, really what the, 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 they're relating here is this, this phrase, pass by, right? Is It's a reference to God revealing himself to humanity, right? So, for example, when Moses goes up onto the mountain in Exodus to receive the word of the Lord, right? And he says, God, I'll do this thing. with I'll leave these people, but I want to see your face. And God says, you can't see my face, but I'm going to hide you into this rock, and I'm going to pass by you, right? This is in Exodus 32, or 33, 34, right? And, and God passes by Moses, right? And it's God revealing himself to Moses. It happens again in 1 Kings in 19 with Elijah, right? Elijah gets, is in this cave. And do you, do you remember this great, this great passage where God's not in the earthquake, God's not in the fire, God's not in the storm, but he kind of passes by in the stillness, right? You have the same language in Job 9, right, where God passes by. There's this moment of pass by. So when Jesus is passing by the disciples, right, it's not because he doesn't see them. He's not pulling a Bojangles, being too cool. Um, he, is, he is revealing himself. Again, think about the development and how Jesus is beginning to reveal and lay plain who he is to the disciples, right? He's passing them by. It is a statement of God revealing himself to humanity, right? Again, we have this image then of God on water. That's, that's a common image all throughout the Old Testament. You have the spirit hovering over the deep, hovering over the water in Genesis 1. You have the, the Psalms talking about how God is moving on the water. Again in Isaiah, again in Job, you kind of have all these Old Testaments of this God who kind of moves and hovers and utilizes water as he is revealing himself, as he's moving through. Um, and then again, when Jesus goes up onto a mountainside to pray, right? Jesus goes, anytime in the scriptures, somebody goes up onto a mountainside, your little antenna should be going, okay, what's going on here? This is an important moment, right? Whenever somebody goes up onto a mountainside, something important is happening, right? Moses goes up onto a mountainside to receive the Ten Commandments. Elijah goes up on a mountainside when he meets with God. Jerusalem, the temple is up on a mountain, right? It's a temple. All the encounters with God happen on mountains. So again, just kind of thinking of like some of these Old Testament tie-ins um, as Jesus is doing this. And, and it's important for us to remember as we're reading this, Jesus isn't just ad-libbing, right? He's not just making things up. He's like, ah, Okay, prayer time's done. What should I do now? Well, I got an idea. Let me go. Let me go. He's not winging it. He is being specific and intentional and deliberate about how he is revealing himself, how he is showing the people who he is. He's, his ministry is developing, and he's doing these things intentionally to, to kind of allow his disciples glimpse after glimpse, picture after picture of who he really is. Got it? So those are the big Old Testament tie-ins. Um, little note about prayer. Let's talk about some of these questions. Um, because Jesus, uh, Jesus, one of the first things that he does is he sends his, they do this feeding of the 5,000, and then he sends his disciples away, right? 
He sends him away. And the first kind of words that I would say, too, is that they feel isolated and alone. And I, I know that I'm peeking a little bit ahead into the story, right? But at some point, the disciples are in the middle of the lake, and they're struggling, and they're straining. And I guarantee you, they're like, well, where's Jesus at, right? They had to have been feeling that isolation, that aloneness, that sense of abandonment. God, where are you? What are you doing in this situation? And here's the question that I want to ask is um, a moment when you have felt isolated or alone, okay? Isolated or alone. And again, I'm going to ask you to share about this in a second. I'll give you a little example to give you some time to think. Um, here, here's one for me, okay? Isolated or alone. One of my default temptations, okay? One of my repeated failings in life. And if you were to ask my wife to speak about this, she would probably speak, go into far more depth than I would. Um, I can retreat, I retreat into a sense of doing it all, right? Especially at my house. And if you guys would see me in some of these moments, you'd be like, wait, that guy's our pastor? Um, I feel like, I, like, I'll feel like I'm working hard and I'm managing everything and it's me and my hard work and my efforts and I do the meals and I fold the laundry and I'm working two jobs and I'm watching James and I, I, I. And it's extremely easy that I get sucked into and, and I am not a pleasant person to be around in this moment because I withdraw and um, I get very isolated from my family, and I get quiet, and I don't, and I don't tune in, and I, I don't give. Um, but it's extremely easy for me to be sucked into, I even, and I even know this in my head. Take a commercial break here, so they don't get. Uh, it's extremely easy for me to get sucked into a self-pity vortex. I do this, right? And I feel alone. Um, and I'm just, it's just poor old Eric in the boat, rowing and rowing and rowing. And nobody else is here to help me. Um, and again, when I, when I have those moments, uh, it's not the best version of me, right? So that's, that's for me. That's, that's the, the moment when I feel or, or have felt isolated or alone. Anyone else want to? Take a moment here and share. And I'll just put my little note up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm 
short. One of the things I've learned about this is, and I want to hear from other people too, and it's really weird to think of it in this way, um, but it's really what the heart of the issue is. It's pride. It's pride. And, and, and again, uh, it's really hard to kind of make that connection because you think of like, oh, you're being so humble and such a servant and you're doing all the things. But really at the heart of all that is just pride. And, and I've had to learn that. And again, I think that it's somewhere in between here and here because I, I still get sucked into it. So like, like I know it up here, but I haven't been able to. But that self-pity vortex is, is at the heart of it is just pride. Oh, look at me. Look at what I'm doing and I can do it all. Go ahead, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Jordan? Uh, I just, when you brought up pride, like, just what I'm about to share from a while ago, like, I thought it was kind of humility at first, but then when you bring up pride, I don't know, maybe it was, like, kind of the opposite, but, uh, like, pre-COVID or kind of into COVID, uh, I was having, like, heart pain, and right now everything's, like, dusted. They didn't find anything. It's been okay, but it was kind of a long process where I was having weird readings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Humble. You're not. You don't want to. You don't want to. Uh, you know, get in anybody's like. Oh, I'm. I'm not. I don't want to. Um, uh, what's that? I don't want to put anybody out. I don't want to burden anybody. You know, like I. I got this. Yeah, that's. It's, it's a big one. It's like. Like I said. It's. It's. I've sunk that up here, but I haven't been able to flush that out yet. But yeah. I, and I didn't think about that and that kind of isolated. But I mean, I. You know, really thinking about just kind of how isolating and disorienting that was, uh, for folks. Maybe one more. Then we'll move on to the next one.
Yeah. Yeah. And there are times that are very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, for everybody who just kind of took a risk on this one, right? Disciples, middle of the lake. How are they feeling? Alone. Isolated. Where's Jesus? What's Jesus doing? He left us. He's on the shore. Next one is, you know, something you're in life that you're struggling with, you're straining at. Um, I was looking at this verse in different, in different translations. The disciples are straining at the oars. They're struggling. They're distressed. They're having difficulty. They're laboring. They're battered. They're in serious trouble. One quick note here. Remember, this is a second boat miracle for Jesus, right? Remember the first boat miracle happens at the end of chapter 3? When he calms the storm. Is that end of chapter 3? End of chapter... End of chapter 4. Calms the storm, right? But remember it, the waves and the wind, and he wakes the, the disciples wake him up, and, and whatever it is, it's, it's, they're, they're panicked enough to say, teacher, don't you care if we drown, right? So they're panicked enough to think that they're about to die and drown, right? This one's different, right? This one, it's the middle of the night. They're straining at the oars. They're kind of working hard. It's not necessarily life-threatening, but there is just, you know, it's just like they're grinding it out, right? They're just struggling. It's just a difficult situation. Um, so again, this, this next kind of question lands on some of those terms, something in life that you're struggling with, that you're straining at, that you're having difficulty with. Again, for me, I think, uh, I was thinking about this, I think over the past, the past couple of years, y'all know I've been working, uh, doing the coffee work, and um, I think the past year or so has been a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a strain for me. Um, you know, kind of in essence, just working six days a week and just kind of working, 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 uh, along with the family and the life uh, and the kids, cycling. Um, I had a moment where I was thinking about this, and you guys know I love kind of doing handy stuff, and, you know, Chris, we kind of talk about this, and, and uh, I said to my wife, I said, maybe I just need to hire stuff out. <laughs> maybe I just need to pay somebody to do that kind of... <laughs> And uh, it was kind of a moment of like, wow, that's, you know, maybe life's, maybe I kind of re- need to think about some priorities, but I think that, you know, something in my life that just kind of struggling, it's been a struggle, strain, difficulty, uh, maybe just kind of work, kind of career, just kind of keep, keep grinding at, at jobs. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of just leave it at that because I want to hear more from you, but I, I'll just put that up for me. Thanks for sharing that.
he's like, oh, can you respond to this person for the company? And then the preschool is gone. I'm like, oh my gosh, like give me like 30 minutes without like saying my name, talking to me, and it just never happens. Mm-hmm. I think about the watch, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I'm trying to do a dance class for myself, and then I'm getting alerted on that again. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's the grind. And then just being responsible for like other people, and, like we have to bring in business to even cover other people's lives now. And it's like, that's a whole nother layer of yeah. insanity. <laughs> And our standards are so high that we are so busy to keep up with them. Yeah. With our house. Yeah. Yeah, like I totally got you and the whole like, and you, and mm-hmm. just having to do it all. And like, I'd rather just not ask because then it's like, it'll take me longer to for me to it. explain it to yeah. you because there's so much that I have to do where it's like a Tetris, like in my mind constantly of like yeah. moving blocks around. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it instead of fast right. forward. Right, look at it in a good way. Like, I don't want to go through five years from now and I'm always just looking forward to the night where, or the end of the evening when everybody's asleep. So I get the one hour before I get to do it all over again. I'd rather enjoy the fast. Enjoy the dinners. You know, yeah. Embrace it and stay present. Let me, let me ask you guys a quick, quick question. When was the last time you were up until 4 a.m.? It's been a while. <laughs> right, can you have. Huh? I mean, but I'm like kind of like consistently up until like 4 a.m. Like just kind of like, hey, I just kind of went, just went hard all day long, and you're just rolling until 4 a.m. Right? And you can imagine how like, like frazzled we would be at 4 a.m. And that's what time it is for the disciples who've been straining at the oars. Right? 4 a.m. Right? Been going. They've been going for, you know, however, however long. Yeah. Daily grind. Life. What else? What else? Something else you're struggling with? You're straining at, having difficulty. I mean, in some senses, I would say, you know, a little bit of this can, there's kind of some of that that, that ties over. Being up until 2.30 a.m., taking care of things that have been pushed off for, yeah. for way too long. Yeah. Let's keep moving forward. I know we're kind of running short on time. Uh, they're in the middle of the lake. Jesus is about to pass by them. They're afraid, right? They say Jesus. They see him. They cry out because they think he's a ghost. They're terrified, right? They're afraid. They're troubled. They're shaken, right? Something in your life. It's got you afraid, troubled, shaken. I, I, I couldn't think of a current thing for me, that, the probably most, uh, the thing that came to my mind when I kind of really was afraid or troubled or shaken. Uh, and you remember this? How old was Julia? Three years old when she had, uh, when she had seizures? When she was four? When, when Julia was four years old, she went through a round of seizures, medicine, uh, all those sorts of things. 
very just kind of troubling and shaking time for, for, for both my wife and I in our life. Someone else, so some, something you're afraid, troubled, it's got you shaken. Could be the upcoming election. <laughs> we need a little bit of a... <laughs> Yeah. Like, I could much, it would take me a lot less time to tell you what's going right than mm -hmm. to tell you what feels completely out of control. Mm. One more person? I can just kind of relate to, like, uh, what is the future, and I guess it kind of could have gone along with the last one as well, is trying to find, uh, like, the career path that I want to take, because a lot of the careers I've taken have been pretty profitable, but I'm not quite sure that they've made me happy, like, like I feel happy, you know, on the outside because I was able to have nice things, but, you know, like, my passion, I believe, is probably you know, coaching football and teaching because you know, I played college football and, you know, being, being able to help, you know, young kids develop and do that. I think that's kind of more the path I want to take. I'm just worried about the financial stability of it. So, I mean, yeah, just going with the, you know, that's what I'm struggling with is if yeah. I want to continue, you know, running restaurants and, and, you know, making decent money or do I want to go help people? And I'm kind of, right now, I'm gonna, I know what I want to do. It's just committing to it and, you know, trusting Thanks for sharing, Paul. One last one. Uh, Jesus gets into the boat, and the such an interesting little verse here, right? The he gets into the boat, and it says, "They their hearts were hardened because they didn't understand about the loaves." 
And the question is, is like, well, first off, what were they supposed to understand about the loaves? Which I don't know if the Bible gives us like a really clear image. Or, you know? <laughs> so if you were here last week, you would have got, okay. But the, the disciples have this experience of they're dull. They haven't figured it out. There's a hardness of heart in different translations. Some will say that they were blinded. Some would say that they're stubborn, oblivious, indifferent. Their minds were too slow. So at this point in the story, as Jesus gets back into the boat, still there's, there's this kind of weird um, kind of transition of, of, of being, you know, not getting it. Uh, and so the, the question then here is, again, how might you be indifferent, oblivious, dull, blinded, uh, for me, to link this to the beginning of the sermon, it's with prayer, right? Prayer can be one of the things that I know up here, right? But I also know that I can get a sermon prepared. I can run a Sunday morning. I can do this. I can do that. I can kind of make it happen. And sometimes, am I operating in that inch-deep water, right? Am I dull to, to prayer, to really the necessity of, of you know, my... Now, my dad would, would come up and he'd have some words on prayer. Am I blinded to the power of prayer, right? Is that what I'm supposed to understand? So for me, again, kind of linking that to the top, I would say that if, if there would be an area in my life that I might feel dull, blinded, indifferent, um, maybe I'm too slow, uh, it would be for prayer. Where in life are you dull? Are you blinded? Are you oblivious? <laughs> it's kind of a hard question because if you knew it, then you would change that. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem with the disciples. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how to put this in a quick, quick sentence. Um, uh, maybe, maybe this would be like kind of just self-reliant, right? Just kind of like yeah, I, I got it. Like kind of my again, I kind of talked about my own charisma, my own knowledge, my own experience. Like here's the answer. Just get real self-reliant. Yeah. 
shared that um, having a quiet and gentle spirit with my husband isn't always my strongest attribute. Mm-hmm. And um, that that self-reliance, it, and, I, and I, when I think about it, it's like when I'm not praying or spending as much time in prayer or I'm not, you know, when I don't focus on that and I'm relying a little bit more on myself, mm-hmm. Anybody else want to take the last one? Maybe just kind of <laughs> that, those last two, right? Self-reliant and the lack of connection with God. Yeah. And also to like go into the northwest corner there, the self-pity. Yeah. Vortex, maybe. I mean, if they're talking about like the disciples not understanding like the loaves, Jesus asked them to Mm-hmm. And really, when it came down to it, they, they really couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that was something that Jesus had to do and included them in. Yeah. You know? hmm. So, yeah, we, I mean, we can't. Maybe it's just like another lesson of the loaves is we just can't. We just can't rely on ourselves. Yeah. Can't rely on like, yeah. We need that connection. Okay, so. Sometimes I, I like I'm studying for next week's sermon. I've been studying it for it this week, so sometimes my my wires get crossed up in my brain. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing, um, and Tim Gombas really makes such a great point, and I'll talk about this next week too, is we are seeing an, a picture of disciples, right? Who, who you know, again, because the disciples are the ones with Jesus, they're the heroes of the stories, are the kind of ones. But the, he, we're getting a picture of the disciples who are like. Um, who respond when it's time to feed the 5,000, they're sarcastic, right? At this moment, they're dull, right? Their hearts are hardened. In the next section, Jesus is going to tell a parable about clean and unclean. And they don't know. Jesus explained it to us. And Jesus says to him, are you so dull? Like, if you want to have a life first, there it is. Are you so dull? Um, and so you, we're getting a picture. And it really, I think what Mark's trying to do is confront us with this idea that um, the disciples aren't getting it. <laughs> which is us. And again, we kind of sit here and we're intelligent and put together and we have nice homes and we think that we're on it and we get it, but we're not. And just like the disciples, it's just like, mm, it really confronts us and makes, it, makes us take a closer look in the mirror at who we think we are. Um, because again, the self-reliance, this lack of connection with God, the disciples are really getting painted as a picture, at least here, um, and we'll talk a little bit about this more next week when Jesus just flat out says, are you so dull? Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Oh, real quick. I, I just think about how we come as blinded with complacency. It's a good one. Um, yeah. Because that can be self-reliant, you know, like whether you're doing great, like there's always more, like there's always something more you, we can do. But I think we get so complacent sometimes with our life being, you know, just good or okay or wherever you're at that you forget that, like with prayer and with you know whatever you you decide to do, there's always something you can do to be to better yourself, become the yeah. best version of yeah. yourself. But you can only do that by relying on a higher power. Yeah. And I, you know, like I said, I become complacent, and that's when I forget 
concentrate every night, mm-hmm. and that's when I become self-reliant and just start doing, you know, my own thing. Yeah. And, you know, then life gets stagnant and boring, and and that's just, you know, then that becomes a struggle, and, and you gotta kind of start over and figure out how to refresh. So complacency for me. I guess, that's a good word. That's a really good word. Um, I wish I could give you uh, the five steps. <laughs> the an acronym, the parable, or whatever. I can't, I can give you what Jesus says, which is, I mean, you want to talk about the gospel in, what is it, seven words? Eight words? Take courage, it is I. Right? Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Eight words, right? So if I were to do this, Right, I think like at the be- like at just at the middle of all this. This middle statement too, um, in Greek is ego emi. Uh, ego emi is the the translation for I am, right. So I am is the name that God chooses when Moses asks God's name in the Old Testament. What is your name? God says, my name is I am, right? So Jesus says, take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. Um, At the heart of this, too, um, Bruner makes this note in his commentary in the Matthew version of Jesus walking on the water. Uh, Bruner makes a commentary that there's about 90 words and then there's about 90 words, and then right in the middle is this kind of phrase, I am, it is I, right? Uh, and so, you know, again, as we're talking about Jesus revealing himself, right? He's about to pass by them, God revealing himself to humanity. What does he say in the middle of these statements? I am, right? I am God, which again is the most, you know, Lewis would say he was either just like a lunatic or he had some substance to his claim, right? And so he says, and I don't know, I don't know, like, you know, again, for these situations, uh, whether that becomes a mantra for you this week, whether you just, uh, if you want to memorize that verse and you just need to repeat that, um, uh, I think that those, those eight words just speak uh, to each one of those situations in different ways. Uh, two, I would say just kind of two of my, my all-time favorite, you know, as I've been doing ministry over the last 20 years, too. Uh, just, I think these two of my favorite quotes, I, I know I've shared this with you guys before, but they're, again, just as things that have really stood out to me. Dallas Willard says, because of God's competence and care, the world is a perfectly safe place for me, even though it doesn't always seem that way. Right? So no matter what you're afraid of, no matter what's troubling you, no matter where you're struggling at, where you're straining, the world is a perfectly safe place for you, even though it doesn't always seem that way. Frederick Buechner, the grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us 
It is for you I created the universe. I love you. Right? So, I mean, again, I think of, of years of ministry doing those two quotes have been just real um, kind of tethering points for me. And I think that they kind of complement and really kind of comment on what Jesus is saying here at the heart of this, him walking on water. Um, that's about all I have. Uh, let's say a word of prayer. Um, and, you know, again, we'll tether ourselves once more. You know, maybe you come up and take Eucharist this, after, this, this morning. Yeah, still in the morning. This morning. And you repeat these words to yourself because that's what we're acknowledging, right? That we can take courage, that we are trusting, that Jesus is who he said he was. There's nothing to be afraid of in this world, right? Nothing to be afraid of. So, let me say a word of prayer. God, all these, I mean, all these experiences that we just see reflected right back into our lives this morning. Um, I'm trying to think of even... I mean, they walked with you. like they were, they were with you, and they're still experiencing this. So it's a reminder that life is not without struggle. I know that your presence is with us, and your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And yet in the midst of the struggle and the trouble, the straining, the hard hearts, the dullness, the blindness, the isolation, I can't speak this, but Holy Spirit, you can speak into these people's lives. You can speak into my life. And we need that. And I'm, I'm not talking like, I'm talking... Man, Holy Spirit, for some folks in here, a, a real supernatural. I mean, beyond, just beyond, something speaks so clearly and so vividly into our hearts and into our minds and into our souls. That's desperately what we need. Whether that's today, this morning, whether it's this week, in the coming months, Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us to have courage. It is I, and don't be afraid. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.